We all have difficult people in our lives who perhaps hurl insults our way, spew hatred in our direction, or act in some malicious way to us. Do we give them a little taste of their own medicine and get them back for all they've done? Well, actually, as we'll see today on The Daily Walk, we're called to love them. Do you have any enemies? Don't look around. But maybe you have had enemies or you do presently. Maybe they work alongside of you. Maybe they live next door to you. Maybe they're in your extended family. They are enemies. How, how do I respond to them? What should I do for them? The first thing Jesus said, here it is. Mark it down. Make a note of it. Love them. Somebody does you wrong. Is the first thought in your mind, ooh, they're going to get it. The world would have you believe you have every right to retaliate. We have a tremendous capacity for retaliation. But God would have us go in another direction. On today's A Daily Walk, Pastor John Randall contrasts the world's way of thinking to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, turn the other cheek. There's a lot of confusion about this radical teaching, and in a moment, we'll join Pastor John, who will show us what Jesus was really saying. Join us in Matthew 5. The fifth chapter today, as we continue our study through the Sermon on the Mount. We find ourselves this morning in the 43rd verse, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 this morning. So you turn there. And here in verse 43, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. If you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Six different times in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 48, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. When he speaks of you have heard that it's been said, he was referring to the teaching of the religious leaders known as the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. They were the main instructors of the people on the most important subject concerning God's law. Sadly, these professional religionists had developed different methods of getting around the original intention of God's word. They had developed man-made traditions that had no biblical precedent, and they held these traditions in higher esteem than the scriptures themselves. And this departure from God's word resulted in an outward form of self-righteousness. They could live with bitterness in their heart and unforgiveness. So long as they didn't kill the person that they were upset with, they felt justified. Their heart could be filled with covetousness or lust. So long as they didn't carry out their hidden desires, they assumed that they maintained a level of purity and integrity. They made it a practice to blur the edges of truth and bend God's word to their own carnal tendencies. On the outside, 
They appeared holy and put together. But on the inside, there was a stench of death and spiritual decay. Jesus brought the light of the truth to bear on these darkened areas of hypocrisy in order that his followers would understand there is a different righteousness that God requires. That is not some external show that you put on, but it's something internal that transforms you from the inside out. There is a deeper work that God wants to do that goes beyond the surface to the very heart of the person. Jesus didn't come to strengthen us in our self-justification and outward appearance. He came to do a work on the inside of our hearts, which would result in an outward manifestation of things like purity, kindness, love, compassion. What Jesus taught was counter to everything that had been taught up to this point. Thus, he says, I say to you, not quoting an authority, but speaking as the authority. First of all, it related to loving others. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19 and verse 18, it declared, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The teachers of the day, contrary to what Leviticus said, they took part of that truth and they dismissed other parts and then added to it. You remember Jesus was asked by one of the religious leaders, what's the greatest commandment? I mean, can you narrow it down for us? Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment, that you love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And he said, the second commandment is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus summed up the entire Old Testament law in those two things, love God and love people. But when the Pharisees taught, they omitted the fact that it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And in fact, you know what they said? They said that you're not just to love, but you're also, you have an obligation to hate. You're to love your neighbor. Let's be clear on that. You remember Jesus defined who the neighbor was? Do you remember that? When the lawyer said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the story of the good Samaritan. And it turns out that everybody happens to be your neighbor. So you're to love everybody. But here, what these religious leaders did is they basically dismissed details of the law. They omitted certain parts, added certain things. And what they said is, you have an obligation to hate people. I mean, it's really, you know, you're, you're to love people, but you're also to hate. There's nowhere in the scriptures where it says hate your enemies. It doesn't say that, but that's what they were teaching. And it was a fundamental right an obligation, an opportunity to take vengeance, and you should do so. Jesus said, that's what you've heard. I'm saying something different. Here's the original intention. But I say to you, notice this, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who would spitefully use and persecute you. And I mean, how, how in the world, listen, four things Jesus said that we're to do as it relates to our enemies. Do you have any enemies? Don't look around. <laughs> but maybe you have had enemies or you do presently. Maybe they work alongside of you. Maybe they live next door to you. Maybe they're in your extended family. They are enemies. How, how do I respond to them? What should I do for them? The first thing Jesus said, here it is. Mark it down. Make a note of it. Love them. 
Like, can you, like when you say love, like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, love has many different forms. Like, what, what's the best thing? Oh, I'll love them in a different way. What, what, what do you mean love them? There's four words used for love in the scriptures. There is the word that refers to brotherly love. There is the love that refers to a family love. There's the love that uh, was referred to as a romantic love. Then there is the word, the highest form, the word agape. The highest form of love that looks out for the interests of the person being loved regardless of their response or whether they reciprocate that love back to you. It is a supernatural love that only comes through the working of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. It's something the Spirit does within my life. The Bible says without this kind of love, we're nothing. Paul in writing to the church in Corinth who had every spiritual gift in operation, said to them, without love, your gifts don't mean anything. Your giving of yourself, your sac- even giving yourself to be burned, it doesn't matter, you're a martyr. Without love, it, it profits you nothing. You are nothing. This is the emphasis. This is the importance. And he then defines what that love looks like. In 1 John 4, 7, it says that this love that we speak of has been poured out in our hearts by the Spirit. The first thing I'm to do is to love my enemies. The second thing I'm to do is to bless them, to to bless them. The third, I'm saying these things and I'm reading it saying, Lord, you gotta, you gotta work this into my life because this isn't, this isn't natural. What part of the Sermon on the Mount is natural to my, to my carnal fleshly nature? None of it. None of it. This is written for his disciples, his followers. This is what I'm asking you to do. And listen, what he's asking us to do, he himself did. Bless them. Do good to them. And then he said, pray for them. It was Charles Spurgeon that said, prayer is the forerunner of mercy. You know what happens? And I believe really loving them and praying for them Praying for them is really the key because as you pray for them, then you realize, how can I bless them? How can I do good to them? It starts with that. It's making a decision. Love is a choice. It's a decision that I make. I choose to love regardless of whether I'm hated or despised or rejected. And then I pray for them. This is exactly what Jesus did, wasn't it? From the cross. He hung there, nailed. We just celebrated. We just talked about it. And what did he do? He prayed for them. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, that's the heart of Christ. And I see him upon the cross and I see and I hear and I read his words and I think, Lord, I want to be like you. It's hard. (laughs) But something happens when you begin to pray for people. Pray for your enemies. Prayer, it has been rightly said, prayer changes things. And you know what it changes? It changes me. My heart begins to change as I pray for people. My, my heart becomes soft. I, I, it's hard to hate. It's hard, hard to hate people that you're praying for. <laughs> I remember so many years ago when I worked for someone that was difficult to work for, and I, this person just made it their aim to make my day miserable. I don't know why. Maybe because I love the Lord, and I had a solid marriage, and I, I love you know I love serving Jesus. Whatever the case was, this person made it a priority to constantly uh, rail on me. And initially, uh, you know, I, I mean, I couldn't give it back, but in my mind, I was giving it back. <laughs> I needed the job. You know, I can't like, oh, whew. and I have a quick wit. 
and it's, and it's, but God shut it down during those times. So I realized something and the Lord just began to prompt me. I want you to pray, pray for him. Oh, I'll pray. I'll pray. Yeah. Yeah. I've been praying several things, several things. Like David does in precatory prayers, Lord, break their teeth, you know, my enemies. That's not the prayer I want you to pray. But, but it's true. God started prompting me. I want you to start interceding for him. And so when he come in and it would just be, I was prepared. I was prepared. And he would come in and I would just, in my mind, intercede. Lord, I pray for his marriage. Lord, I pray for his children. Oh, Lord, I pray. I don't know what's, Lord, I pray you draw him. And I just started praying. You know what happened? My heart, my heart began to soften. And suddenly, rather than being on the defensive and ready to just, I just began to pray and intercede. My heart was changing. You know something else? Praise God. It doesn't always happen this way. He began to change. Folks, there's power in prayer. Jesus said, love them, bless them, do good to them, and pray for them. It was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said, quote, concerning this particular verse, he said, quote, this is the supreme demand. Through prayer, we go to the side of our enemy and we plead for him to God. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus exhorted us to do. By loving them and blessing them and doing good to them and praying for them, something wonderful happens. For one thing, it reveals that I'm a child of God. It says in verse 45, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. What is happening is, as I love in this way, this is the exact opposite of what the world does, but it reveals who I belong to. It reveals who I am. One of the main characteristics that is to be seen in a child of God is love. That's something that should mark our lives. Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. The world doesn't know what to do with people who love them when they hate them. They don't know how to respond when people will not fight, but they will pray in a sense of when you're being assailed, that you're being, you know, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not going to even, I'm not even going to go there. And when you begin to love them like Christ does, this is opportunity and it reveals that you have the characteristics and the qualities of your heavenly father. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 16, God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. It shows, it, it they can see it. Is love getting through, the love of Jesus. He also tells us, if you love those who love you, <laughs> what reward have you? Even the tax collectors do that. If, if you greet your brethren only, well, what do you do more than others? Is, is there, in other words, is there a difference between you and the rest of the world? What is the difference? You just love people that love you? Ha, that's easy. Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you too. Oh, I'm so, I admire you. I admire, I'm glad you admire me. I admire you. You know, I mean, just, you know, suddenly you just say, oh, we just, I love them. Why? Because they say nice things about you. I love them. I love them. What about them? Oh, no, I, I hate them. Why? Jesus said, hate your enemies. He did not say that. He said, love them. In other words, it's no stretch, it's no challenge, it's no real, you know, jump, leap to love people that don't love you, or to love people that love you, I should say, to love people that don't love you, that's where it becomes challenging. That, that's where it becomes, Lord, I need your help on this. When you love like Jesus, when you lay down your life and you look for opportunity to bless somebody, you're identifying with Jesus in a way that's so powerful 
He, he modeled this. He showed this. He, and, and you know, when you look in this world, there's a lot of hate. There's a lot of hate, a lot of division, a lot of just war, really. I mean, in every sense. And how, how do you overcome evil? You overcome evil with evil. No, you overcome evil with good. I choose to love. That's what my Savior did. This is the example he left me. This is the, this is, this is the example I'm going to follow. Choose to love. And then it says, if that's not enough, it says this. Therefore, you shall be perfect. This is your Father in heaven is perfect. Wait a second. Like, perfect? I can't do that. It's impossible. It is indeed. It is impossible. But this is the standard. This is, and the word actually in the Greek talks about, you know, being a full age, being mature. This is what my disciples do. This is what they're striving for. This is what they're seeking to be like. This is the example. You know, I can't say, you know, justify hating people who hate me by saying, well, nobody's perfect. You know, I, I love people that love me. I think I'm doing pretty good. Uh, nobody's perfect. It says, be perfect. Follow your father's example. Follow the example of Christ. Let's ask ourselves. How are we loving today? Is the love of Jesus being demonstrated? Is it seen in word, in action? The Pharisees taught, hey, listen, hate your enemies. Who cares? Everybody hates your enemies. That's I'm just, yeah, you have, you have an obligation to hate them. They hate you hate them back. Jesus said, no, not my followers, not my disciples. If you want to be like me, Jesus would say, then, then follow me. And I'll teach you how to love people. Can you, just, can you just like put it into me real quick? Or how, how are you going to teach me to love other people? I'm going to bring you people that are difficult to love. That's how I'm going to do it. I don't, I didn't, I, I didn't ask for that. <laughs> Lord, I just want to love like you. Why well, you're so loving? Can you teach me how to love? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's five people right here that just moved in next door. And you, guess what? Guess what, John? What? You learn to love them. Awesome. I'm so excited for this new opportunity to love, to bless, to pray, to do good. Oh, I pray the Spirit of God makes application in our life. Well, it didn't stop there with just this internal transformation. Jesus said, let me talk to you about something else. You move into the sixth chapter talking about giving. This is how we're to be loving. This is how we're to be giving. Look at verse 1. Take heed. It's a warning. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Jesus begins... Now, by talking about something very common in those, a charitable deed, giving, giving to the Lord. How, how, should I, how should I do it? Jesus starts out by saying, let me just give you a warning about something. When he says, take heed, this is a warning, listen up, this is a warning. When it comes to giving, when it comes to serving, here's what I don't want you to do. Let me start with the negative. And what he's describing here is exactly what they were observing. The, the examples that they had to follow is what Jesus described. And so he says, don't follow those examples. Those are bad examples. I mean, these were the religious leaders. Don't do what they do when it comes to your charitable deeds. What are they doing? They're doing them in order to be seen by men. That's why they do it. The motivation is, I want people to see me. I want to be seen. 
I want to be known. And so we do things in such a way that we, we want people to see it. We want them to observe my charitable deeds. Here's me on the mission field. Hey, digging a well. What do you think? Yeah. He is so godly. Wow. So, wow. The philanthropy runs deep. You know, you want people to be, just don't do it that way. What about when I'm giving? Hey, where do I put my, where do I put my check? Where do I put my, where do we give? What are you doing? Waving around a $100 bill. Like, put that away. People don't need to see that. Do it in such a way that you're not to be seen. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. In secret. Why? Because if you're, if you're doing it to be seen by men, and you're seen by men, and then you, you're rewarded, just know this, that's, that's the only reward that you're, you're getting. I hesitate to share with you, but I shared it last service, so it's already out there. So I'll share it this service as well. As a younger man, I remember uh, working at our church in Costa Mesa, and I had just got hired on as a janitor. And um, I had all the jobs that, well, nobody really wanted to do. Uh, they had other janitors above me, and I was the low man on the totem pole. There was three of us, and I got the jobs that the other two didn't want to do. And I, they would laugh about it. But I it didn't. So one of the jobs was we had in the two-story building where we were at. There was a two-story building where the, the school was, and there was a staircase that would go up, a big, all these stairs. And down in this alcove of the staircase, kids would just throw stuff down there and just, just like, you know, just walking. And it was just garbage and dirt and a mess down there. And so they'd say, and this was something that I would have to do like weekly sweep this out because it was, and we had two of them. There's one on this side, one on the front. I can see it now. <laughs> and I go down. There's all kinds of stuff. I don't know how long that's been down here. That is wrong. I don't know what that is even. It's taking on its own life. Anyways, you had to go in and clean it out, sweep it out, get it clean. And um, kids would be walking up, you know, while I'm doing it, throwing stuff down. I mean, it's just not cool. So I'm down there. And on this particular day, I was sweeping in this alcove, and I saw my pastor coming across the, the courtyard, making his way to the office, which was right around the corner. I started sweeping like you've never seen anybody sweep. <laughs> It was like a dust bowl in there, man. I was like, wow. I mean, it's like there was like a tornado of dirt. Pastor Chuck walking across the courtyard. And I thought to myself, I should probably, I should probably say something, you know. Just let him know I'm on staff. You know, he might, he probably wants to know, you know. <laughs> sure, he wants to come over and, you know, pray for me or something or has a word, maybe. Uh, you know, something just wants to tell me how awesome I'm doing at sweeping. So, in case he doesn't see this dust flying up and the grunt and sweat, uh, I should tell him. So he's coming across just ever so casually. I said, hey, Chuck, Pastor Chuck, John Randall, how you doing? I just started working here. He just kept going. He just kept going. And I'll just remember this one word he said. Oh. And that was his thing. Just kept, just kept on going. I was like, the Spirit of God spoke to me, man, in that moment. Hey, what, what, what are you doing, John? What are you, who are you doing this for? I'm, do, I'm doing it for you, God. That's, that's why I'm here. I'm doing it for you. Are you really? Because it doesn't seem like it right now. It seems like you're wanting to be seen by men. It's true. It's true. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. Oh, sometimes we can do that. 
Well, thanks for joining us today on A Daily Walk. To catch a replay of today's message from Pastor John Randall, simply go online to adailywalk.org or listen to us wherever you get your podcasts and through the Calvary South OC app. If you'd rather have a CD copy of the study, we can send that to you for a cost of $5. Here's where to reach us toll free, 877-242-0828. You can use that to order resources or if you have any questions, that's 877 877- 242-0828. We light up around here when a listener shares what God is doing in their life and how they're helped through the teaching of God's Word. If you feel led to write, here's our email address, adailywalk at gmail.com. That's adailywalk at gmail.com. It sure would be nice to connect with you. As we've just begun a new year, we have an excellent new resource to tell you about geared for you ladies. It's A Daily Walk for Women by Michelle Randall. This 366-day devotional will remind you that as Christians, we don't walk alone. Jesus has promised to never leave or forsake us. And he gives us the courage to be strong during uncertain times. We don't need to dread the future because the Lord goes with us. We pray this devotional will bring you hope as you seek Jesus and share in the wisdom of God from the heart of a pastor's wife. We're offering it for the special price of $15. Just call us and request a daily walk for women at 877-242-0828 or go online to adailywalk.org. Again, that's 877-242-0828. And please remember, it's your faithful contribution to the Lord's work at A Daily Walk that allows us to bring Pastor John's studies to the radio every day. We can't do it alone and totally rely on the Lord to make all this happen. Secure donations can be made at adailywalk.org. A Daily Walk is a presentation of Calvary South O.C. 